Talk that talk. Talking about... That's what I'm talking about. Are you talking to me? Talk that talk. Provided by Off The Hook. The platform for the people. Step into the studio and talk that talk. Get off the sidelines, man. Keep on talking in the free world. Come on, man. It was Chapman, what a mess. Well, first of all, first of all, Araldus Chapman definitely had money on this game. A hundred percent had money on this game. One million percent. First of all, he's a complete scumbag to begin with. Total loser. And the guy's just a total scumbag in general. Uh, Chapman is. And he comes out. Aaron Boone. If Aaron Boone definitely knew or would have known if Chapman wasn't able to throw his fastball. So if there was some issue with Chapman and he couldn't throw his fastball and there was something wrong with his arm or whatever the case may be, he wouldn't have brought him out there. Even with the bottom of the lineup in, he w- Boone wouldn't have brought him out there unless he's an idiot. Boone makes some sus- uh, suspect decisions anyway. He made a mistake last night too. So he marches Chapman out. And Chapman proceeds to throw, <laughs> throw all breaking balls to the bottom of our lineup. His breaking balls are breaking. No, no fastballs at all. Walks Vigio. Walks Santiago. And then uh, he walks. Who else did he walk? Loads of bases. And here's the thing, is that, you know, I got to go watch it back again, but I'm sure I saw it right. And again, Araldus Chapman is a greaser. So he looked like he was smiling after the second walk, I believe it was. He had kind of a smirk on his face, and it just looked like he was smiling to me. And you know, he's not phased. He's not phased about anything. He's got $10 gazillion in the bank. He's a total scumbag to begin with. Don't get me wrong. Chapman is a rock star. Like, there's no, I mean, no one can dispute that. I can't stand him, obviously. I think he's a total scumbag, but it is what it is. The guy's a left-handed closer with ridiculous heat. Um, so here he is. He comes in. He throws nothing but breaking balls. So right away, he knew something was up, and he's smiling. And, and that, that's what it looked like to me. He was smiling. Boom comes in, has a little chat, and, and, and then when he Boom goes out, then uh, Chapman goes right back to throwing the breaking balls again. No, no heat. None. I, did, I don't even know if he threw one fastball. So he had the wild pitch, too, at one point in time where the runners advanced. So anyway, after he loads the bases... Then here's the thing. Okay, so first of all, yeah, we, we are going to, well, any, anyone with any sense is going to give it to the ice cream man on our end, Matt Chapman. Uh, fuck, what a fucking disaster. 
You can't make that kind of a, you can't make that kind of base running error, especially you're the pinch hitter. Like you're coming in to pinch hit. We just load. We just were given a gift. Got the bases loaded from the bottom of our order, and then you're pinch hitting. And then come on, man. And then you turn around and make that base running error to get doubled up on first base. Like just horrible. Absolutely horrible, and he should feel bad. It was a massive mistake. My point is, is that the Yankees fans are booing Chapman or all this Chapman off the field, and so they should. And everyone's like, "Well, you know, this is New York, so you know the fan. This is how the fans are. The fans are passionate, and you got to deal with it. It's a tough place to play." I agree. I love it. I absolutely love it. Respect it. I think it's fantastic. That's exactly how it should be all day, every day. Then in Toronto, uh, Kevin Durant goes down in the NBA Finals and he gets injured. Fuck Kevin Durant. Uh, we boo him off the court. Everyone's pissing and bombing, saying Toronto fans, you know, uh, shouldn't have booed Kevin Durant. Fuck Kevin Durant. Then when the backflip came with the whole nonsense with. Uh, Odor and the bad calls and the beers rained down. Two and three sessions of raining down beers. I was at that game. And so the beer should have rained down. This, this is Toronto. So uh, no one in Toronto, I don't want to hear people apologizing or people pissing the ball saying take it easy on Chapman. And fuck, Chapman fucked up big time getting doubled off. And then Bo too. And, and I got love for Bo. But I mean, come on, man. We get who's gonna have us in the ninth top of the ninth Yankee Stadium. Chapman comes in. We got the bottom of our order. He gifts us bases juiced, all walks, no heat, and then we we have the luxury of having Chapman come in and pinch hit. Not saying he's the greatest hitter of all time, but uh, you know it was a beneficial situation anyway. He gets walked, and then Bo. Again, second night in a row, you leave Vladdy on deck. Now, Vladdy struck out four times tonight. So who knows what would have happened? Maybe it's the fifth strikeout. Maybe it isn't. But the point is, is that, again, Vladdy stranded on deck. And then he, it's not, not even about Vladdy getting stranded on deck. Bo, you, you got you to gotta give us a hit, my man. Like, yes, Chapman is to blame for getting doubled up. But you got you to gotta give us a single. You got to give us something. Bases loaded? Come on, man. And and then nothing. And then again, Chapman. I mean, you don't even check your shoulder. You're just gone off of contact. You're not even paying attention to what's going on. And you got to be aware of the situation. Oh, fuck. Anyway, it just all happened so fast. Here we are, bases loaded. No heat from Chapman. Uh, you know, we were in great shape. Springer doesn't get a hit. It pissed me off. But then... Uh, Bo was given another kick at the can. Anyway, just not not good. Now, whether we would have won the game or not, who's to say? But the point is, is that you got to capitalize bases loaded. You got to capitalize bases loaded. Nobody out. Bases loaded. Nobody out. Bottom of your order. All from one of the best closers in the game. One of the best closers in recent memory. And then now you're at the top of your lineup. Springer, Bo, and Vladdy. Springer strikes out. Another, and I forgot to give it to Springer. So Springer can get a two. George Costanza, he gets a two. Like, you know, I don't care how good he's playing. You know, this is 162 games, man. It's a long season. Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? You, you, again, 
Springer needed a hit there. Anyway, just an all-around fucking disastrous way to end the game. Terrible. Absolutely terrible way to end the game. And uh, nobody's telling me any different. Aroldis Chapman have money on that game. There's nothing wrong with it. If And even if it comes out, there's something wrong with his arm. I don't believe it at all. At all. Because so unless, they're going to tell me Aaron Boone's going to say, yep, I knew Chapman... There was something wrong with him. He wasn't going to be able to throw any fastballs. And he's going to come in and throw breaking balls. And we figured we were okay because we're at the bottom of the order. Bullshit. Bullshit. And if there's something wrong with his arm and he can't throw fastballs, then what's he even doing in there? You want to blow out his arm? Even if he's throwing breaking balls, why is he throwing it all? So, and then if Boone says, uh, well, and then what, what's Chapman going to say? Something happened between him warming up in the bullpen and then coming out. Get the fuck out of here. Chapman had money on that game. He had money on that game for one of his buddies. Make one of his buddies a couple bucks. That's exactly what happened. Told his buddies, listen, when I go in, if I get a chance to go in, I'll give you, I'll load the bases. Throw some walks your way. Won't get any strikeouts if I get in. Anyway, that's what I'm going with. We go back to the top. This was game seven of 162. Game four of a four-game series in Yankee Stadium. Jays were up 2-1 in the series, had a chance to go up 3-1. It was going to be an uphill battle to begin with. Number one, we didn't know how Gosman was going to perform. Obviously, he was our big pitching signing in the offseason. And we didn't know coming off of his first start what that may or may not look like in the second start. Joe Siddles mentioned it a few times now on Blue Jays Central about how with the shortened spring training, Starting pitchers are the ones that suffer the most because they're the ones that utilize spring training the most in order to get their arm, you know, just basically in order to get into the groove. Like they're the ones who need it the most. And come second or third start, they'll start to come around. So, you know, we give them the benefit of the doubt. Barrios had a better start in his second one at Yankee Stadium. Uh, And then Gosman tonight, he played well. He played very well. So, you know, he got, I'll get into as we go through, he got caught a couple times there in the end before he came out, but not much, man. There wasn't much contact there throughout the entire game. He played well. He looked like he should look, uh, should have looked and how we want him to look. So everyone should be pleased with him. Disappointing that, you know, you're getting an outing like that from your pitcher and you're not putting up any runs at all. But then on the other end, like I said, is that you're facing Severino you know, injuries have plagued him over the last few years, but he's a rock star. Like, let's not forget, this guy's an ace, right? This guy's an all-star. This guy's an ace. This guy is a, is a serious motherfucker. So you knew that was going to be tough. Yankees were favored on the betting line coming into this game. I think they were favored for a couple of reasons. I didn't mention Serena at the Serena at uh, on the pre-show, but I think they were. I said they were favored for a couple of reasons. One. The uncertainty of Gosman coming off a bad start too. T. Oscar's injured, right? And and then three would have been the fact that Severino was pitching. So this is Talk That Talk, the official fan reaction show before and after every Blue Jays game. Follow off the hook on Twitter at the signal is busy. We this was rain delay for an hour and a half. I was kind of hoping, to be honest, that this game wasn't going to be played because Oakland's already here in Toronto, getting ready to play tomorrow on Jackie Robinson Day, uh, tomorrow night. And then the Jays already, I mentioned on the pre-show on Talk That Talk, that it was going to be a late flight back, and then, you know, they're going to get back whenever. 
And uh, by the time they settled into their hotel room and everything, it was going to be late, right? You know, in the middle of the night. Now, and, and that was when the game was starting at 7. So once it started to get pushed off, I was hoping that it was just going to be postponed. Anyway, it was. It started at 8.35, so late game. So coming into it, I said, what were the three things that I was looking for? I was looking for, I said, number one, I was looking for uh, a good performance from Gossman because of what happened in game one or his first start, I should say, the season and the home opener, season opener. Season open series, season opening series, sorry. And then two, the second thing I was looking for, I don't know if I wrote those down, I'm thinking about it now. The second thing I was looking for, oh, because I called for with T Oscar on the 10 day DL, 10 day IL, sorry, is that I wanted Lourdes Guriel to back clean up, which he is. So I was looking for him. You know, to be able to show up and show out. Joe Siddle was saying, you know, they weren't going to pitch to Vladdy uh, because they're going to pitch around Vladdy not, because not worried about going to Guriel. I'm like, first of all, they're not pitching around Vladdy in, in, in the, this early on in the season or just randomly. And then two, Lourdes Guriel is a professional hitter in his own right. Uh, rough night for Vladdy. Here's the thing. It's a couple of reasons. So first and foremost is that the Yankees had four games to figure Vladdy out, and nobody could. And you got Gary Cole couldn't figure him out and got rocked a fuck. Uh, three home runs and a double, four for four. But Severino, again, is a, is a different animal, man. This guy is a beast. So that was going to be challenging. And I don't think, I think they ran Vladdy's stat line on him. It was only, I think he only faced Severino four times before this. It was a minimal amount of times just because Severino's been injured too. I think he's 0 for 4. But it was going to be an uphill battle with Severino regardless. Uh, of course, we weren't expecting uh, Vladdy to strike out four times. But uh, what was I going to say? So, I don't know. I don't know if you can cite. I mean, so here's the thing. Yesterday, he gets his finger stepped on by Aaron Hicks. It gets cut. He ends up getting two stitches. I think they just wrapped it up during the game. He got two stitches afterward. I don't know if they ended up doing putting the stitches in mid-game. But anyway, the point is it didn't affect him then. He went four for four with three home runs and a double. So uh, the day after, did that have something to do with it? Possibly. But, I mean, I tend to tip my cap to Severino for changing speeds on him, right? I mean, there was no fastballs inside today for Vladdy, none. And uh, so it's it's a long season. There's going to be game. There's going to be uh, it's a game of adjustments. There's going to be adjustments after adjustments after adjustments. So, but it's not like Vladdy hasn't had pitchers change speed on him before. But the thing is, is that's early in the season, and Severino can pitch. So over time. He'll fall into that groove. And again, I don't know if his hand had anything to do with that. But the key was was that they didn't give him any fastballs inside and change speeds on him. So, and the third thing I was looking for, I was looking for, so you have Biggio and Santiago Espinal. You have them platooning at second. And really, Santiago, with his defense and his hitting, is really turning it into, I'm starting and, and you're watching me play and fill in from time to time type of situation. So tonight was, you know, I called it a head-to-head situation. And listen, the pressure is on 
The pressure was on Biggio. The pressure was on Biggio last year uh, as, as the season was going on. Well, and because, you know, they had him over third, they didn't do him any favors. They had him all over the place. And, uh, and he struggled. And I mean, he struggled at the bat because he was struggling in, in, on the field. You know, because they had him playing third. The guy doesn't fucking play third base. And although he can play in the outfield, like, he can play all over. But, I mean, these aren't his positions. And then on top of that, he's trying to get in his own groove uh, as far as hitting goes. So, anyway, they were both on the field today. You had Biggio at second, Santiago at third. An opportunity, I called it a head-to-head situation where, you know, defense for defense. And then they're both in the lineup. Uh, Biggio, I mean, he didn't. He didn't turn the lights out or anything with with anything that he did, but he did play good defense. He made a couple nice plays, and then Santiago actually made. Uh, I don't, they didn't mark it as an error, but uh, he left a little bit to be desired. He left a little bit to be desired on third base for. He left a little bit to be desired on third base for the uh, for a couple plays. I'm just looking at her stat line now. Yeah, Bijou didn't have any hits. Santiago didn't have any hits. If I'm reading, yeah, if I'm reading that right. So we'll go through. Chase had three lefties in the lineup. Okay, Chubb rocked to start off. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, and he was hustling down the first base line to beat the throw. This is top of the top of the second. Oh man, Chubb Rock, he must have listened to me yesterday on Talk That Talk when I said, you know, he's going to have to start hustling because Josh Donaldson had that wild throw last night on his second at bat, Kirk's second at bat, and he still didn't hustle. But he ended up getting on base because of the wild throw. The first, the first at bat, he didn't hustle at all. And I felt like he would have had a shot. That's when the pitcher beat him to step in on the base and he had a shot, but he didn't. Anyway, then Biggio swinging at the first pitch after I was calling for him to really dial in and he's swinging at the first pitch. He ended up walking. All right, all right. So that was okay. We're doing okay. Then Santiago flied out. And then now we, we got Zimmer and Santa Newman. And uh, they were saying that injuries kind of derailed his career. Former first-round draft pick. He's the most at-bats he's ever had is 299 in his rookie season. He also had 299 last game. So Zimmer had a nice effort running down the line, and then H to the Rizzo dropped the ball. Bases were juiced. Costanza flies out, and then Bo Jackson grounds out. So Bo Bichette grounds out in that scenario with the bases loaded. So we had bottom of the set, a top of the second, we had bases loaded. Top of the second, George Springer, George Costanza flies out, and then Bo Jackson comes out and grounds out. Nothing comes out of that. Same two guys. Nothing. Bases loaded. Top of the second. Anyway, the guys was bandaging them up. He was moving it along. Everything was looking good for him. He looked like how we wanted him to look. Hazel was mentioning she was talking to Chapman and he said that, you know, it has a playoff feel this series. 
and it's going to be a special season. He talked about how Vladdy. He talked about how or, uh, he talked about how Vladdy is not just talented; he's a hard worker. And I mean, that's where you're seeing that's when you're seeing it really pay dividends. Buck was talking about how Garrett Cole said there's only two guys in baseball that can you know 98 miles an hour, five inches inside off the plate. There's only two batters and in baseball that can hit that ball. And he said it was Vladdy and Nolan Ariana, Arenado, Nolan Arenado, and uh, high praise for Vladdy. He joked and said he hopes he goes to California for it. That's never going to happen. On a side note. Vladdy has to get locked into a long-term deal. Yes, I know it keeps room available for us on the books. So I guess what I'm saying is this, is that in a perfect world, you have an understanding with the player. It's business. So, But you have an understanding with the player that, you know, they're not, quote-unquote, if, if Vladdy or Bo were really, to Oscar for that matter, but let's just talk about Vladdy in particular. If Vladdy was saying... I want a long-term deal, and I want it now. And the team is saying, we want to leave availability on the payroll and just bring you along and do your one-year deals. Like, you know, we won't bring you to arbitration, but we'll give you your deal each year. Are you okay with that? And he's saying no. I doesn't, I'm not saying that that's happening now, but the point is you don't ever want to get to the point where there's dissension. And then when it gets to the point, even if you're going to pay them the money, everyone's going to pay them the money. That... I'm not saying Vladdy's going anywhere. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that uh, you know, th- there's other players that have been locked up in those situations that they've thrown the big deals at them. So I'm just saying, they Vladdy has, uh, and that uh, that came about because where Garrett Cole was talking about, he hopes to see them both go to. California free agency, Vladdy and Bo, that is. Bijou had another good defensive play in the third. Vladdy, you know, Vladdy was swinging all over the place. The change of speed, the change of speed threw him off. I don't think it was the finger. I think it was the change of speed threw him off. So... Uh, this is when the bottom of the third, when Santiago went the wrong way toward the, he went toward the foul line instead of toward second base. It fooled him. And again, I called for on Talk That Talk that I was looking for him and Biggio to kind of be head to head defensively and offensively. He didn't do himself any favors there. And then, then we had the we had the Bach from uh, Gosman. You don't see that very often at all. No. And then. So anyway, and then we had so we had then we had Lourdes with uh, I agree with everybody that commented on on the broadcast is that it looked like he was had his mind made up. Joe Siddle was saying to be a decoy to be a decoy as if he was going to catch it and then couldn't control it off the hop end up backfiring because Aaron Judge was running on contact. So. Siddle made a great point. He could have probably caught that. He was close enough, but he felt like he had already made his mind up to make the play as a decoy to try to hold him rather than just react to what was happening and figuring to himself that, yeah, I could probably make the play. And it was a mistake. It was a costly mistake because 
the runner scores, that's where, uh, like I said, Judge was running on contact. And anyway, and then during this time, you had uh, you had Charlie at the end just shouting out at the ump, saying that, you know, about the strike zone. Listen, everyone online, so we talk about the strike zone. Everyone online, you know, was just constantly complaining about the strike zone. It's going to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm one to complain about the strike zone as well. First of all, electronic strike zones are coming, and they're needed, and we will get them. Anyone who, anyone who opposes electronic strike zones is an idiot. And if you oppose electronic strike zones, you should never in the history of the world ever be talking about umpires. You just live with it. You know, this is what you get. So it's one or the other. Electronic strike zones, uh, you're going to get what you should get, which is the correct calls. And then these, this is, you guys are complaining about the strike zone in game seven of 162. And I say you guys, meaning everybody out there in the world that are fans, myself included, but yet you don't want, a lot of people don't want electronic strike zones, but you want to complain about the umpires and human error. You can't have it both ways. And this is game seven of 162. Wait until it gets in further into the season. Wait until it gets to September. Wait until we get into the playoffs in October. Then everyone's going to really continue to lose their mind. So uh, I like the fact that we talk about Gosman going in inside because earlier, Lourdes got hit. I believe. Was it Lourdes that got hit by the pitch? Yeah, Lourdes got hit flush by the pitch. And it was uh, it was nasty. You know, Lourdes gets hit. So let's talk about this for a second. Is that you got Severino on there. Lourdes gets hit by the pitch. And that might have affected him. And you know what? To, that was, was that before or after his bad play? I have to just confirm when he got hit by the pitch, but regardless, that might have affected his game tonight just in general. I'm sure it did. Is that so? Severino throws heat inside, and it was, you know, for someone who's an excellent pitcher, nothing really got away from him all night. Was that intentional? This is Lourdes. I think it was Lourdes' first at bat. It was. It was Lourdes' first at bat. And so I just want to check my notes here now. I think it was. So anyway, the point is, is that, yeah, so top of the first. Yeah, so let's go back here for a second. Top of the first, Lourdes Gurriel. I mean, come on, man. So after we lose Jansen, we lose T. Oscar. Now it's the fourth game of the series. Severino knows that... The Jays are hitting and hitting well. And he also knows that T. Oscar is out. So this is Lourdes now filling the cleanup spot. And he also knows that Lourdes is a good hitter, but he's filling the cleanup spot. And what, what does this guy do? This guy comes inside. That ball did not get away from him. That guy came inside on purpose with heat, with the intention of hitting him. That's exactly what he did. He hit him flush on the arm. There was nowhere to go, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide for Lourdes. 
And now it looked like, are we going to lose Lourdes now? And then Alec Manoa is a gangster, man. Alec Manoa is a straight up gangster. Everybody in the Blue Jays dugout was step up on the steps or up leaning over. And Manoa, I don't, they didn't confirm this, but based on the body language, it looked like Manoa was the one who was yelling at Severino. And Severino was not a punk either. He takes a couple steps toward the dugout, and they showed this on the replay, and then he's saying, uh, you want to talk or whatever, I'm paraphrasing now, but you want to talk, come on out here and talk. Come on out and talk. If not, shut up and give them the shush sign. And then, of course, you don't want, but the thing is, is that if you felt as though, if you felt as though it really was malicious, the benches should have cleared. So my argument is, is that if everyone is up on the steps like that and you're chirping uh, Serena, Severino, I keep calling Serena, Severino, and you're chirping him and you're saying enough for him to take a couple steps toward the dugout. So you're obviously challenging him some way in some way, shape or form. And then he tells you, if you want to talk, come out and talk out here and you don't move. And then he tells you to shut up. You know, if you're going to do the talk and you got to do the walking, the benches should have cleared. That's what should have happened because... I believe it was intentional, and so did they, or else they wouldn't have been up there like that. So for me, good look at the Jays for good look from the Jays to be confrontational, if you will, on that pitch. But a bad look, you got to clear. You got to clear the dugout. You got to come out, let them know what's up. All hell breaks loose, and that probably would have paid played to our advantage because he. The tone was being set one way or the other. Severino came out and set the tone for this game. He set the tone early, and then he set the tone often with uh, striking out Vladdy time and time again, changing the speeds, hitting Guriel early. So you got if we had cleared the bench, benches then, or if we had cleared the dugout then, that would have recaptured the tone for us, I believe. That's what should have happened. So I was, I was disappointed that the Jays didn't clear the benches Anyway, Lord Escurial turned out to be okay after that. Uh, everyone is complaining about Tapia, myself included. You know, uh, first of all, Mike Wilner talks a bunch of nonsense. This guy is like, this guy is like, you know, Mike Wilner. He's like one of these kids who's like, you know, babied to death. And it's like, so... That kid, the kid is sheltered, never ever comes out and interacts with anybody else on the street or in the playground or anything. Because if he gets lippy, then someone's going to give him a smack or tell him, uh, you know, whatever and say this and that as kids do. You know, when kids are on the playground and everyone is into it and, you know, it's survival of the fittest. It's just, it's basically what, it's a preview on how the world is going to be. Mike Wellner's one of those kids that was never out there like that, sheltered. And then so, then he's the one who, he'll invite everyone over to his house, where he's the cock of the walk, and he calls the shots, and if anyone says or does anything out of line, then he tells his parents and they send them home. They send the kid home. That's Mike Wilner. Mike Wilner's on Twitter. Like, he just goes on and on, says what he wants. And anytime anyone challenges him, you know, just like he did this, Mike, Mike Wilner, this is why you don't work for the Blue Jays anymore. 
because your behavior is evident online. That's um, and you could tell by your demeanor when you did Blue Jays talk, when you did, when they gave you the opportunity to play by play. You, you attend. I don't give you the credit for being condescending because anyone that gives anyone credit for being condescending must mean that you feel inferior to them. And anyone who feels inferior to Mike Wilner, you got problems. So you talk to a lot of these uh, people on Twitter that are coming at you. You're out there in the mix, man. And, and then you, you want to be condescending toward them. And this is why you're not on Blue Jays Talk anymore. When you have Blue Jays Talk, no one could say anything to you on there because you get all pissified. And then, you know, just like a little kid, you want to send everybody home. So you, that's why you don't work for the Blue Jays anymore. And your tone came off when you were in the booth doing radio as well, the play-by-play. It came off that way. That's why you're out in the cold. Don't they, trying to, and then same thing on Twitter. And now you're trying to survive out here in the real world, and, and that's not working out either because you, no one can say you want to say whatever you want, but then no one can say anything to you. Now I'm not interacting with the, your foolish stuff, uh, but come on, man, Mike Wellner, give your head a shake, buddy. So the point is, is that people are ripping on Tappy and so they should and people were questioning like I said on the pre-show on Talk That Talk that people were going to start clamoring for Gritchick and complaining and complaining and so they should you know there's an argument both ways but this fool Wilner out there is pretending like there's no argument both ways there's an argument both ways don't give me this that career average for Tapia we're watching and we're seeing Okay, and as time goes on, is he expected to improve? Yeah, they're expecting him to improve hitting-wise. Do I think he's going to be a part of this team all season? No, he will not. I do not believe he will be. Would Gritchick have been a part of this team for the whole year? Yes, he would have been, just like he was last year. So if Tapia is not with the team for the entire year, then that's your answer. And that's why everyone's pissed off. But were the same people pissed off when they got rid of Gritchick? That's what I want to know. Did they feel as though it was a contract they wanted to get rid of and they didn't need him. But like I said, is that you needed a center fielder to be able to cover for Springer. But not just a center fielder coming for... Uh, but not just uh, Springer covering for Springer in the outfield, but covering for Springer at bat too, which Zimmer cannot do. Useless. Useless at bat. Absolutely useless. Anyway, we move along. I'm not going to keep us too long tonight. A couple other things to highlight was... Well, just I'm just checking through the notes now. We go. There was a kind of a cool thing with Garrett Cole and Cortez in the dugout on the Yankees side. You know, these guys are not pitching. This is their off day, and Garrett Cole is holding the ball, and they're discussing grips on the ball. And Buck pointed it out, maybe Tabby too, and they just commented on, you know, how cool that is. Here we are again, game seven of 162, two pitchers, uh, one of them the highest paid pitcher in baseball, and the other one who just came off a stellar outing, even though they took him out too early, if you ask me, Aaron Boone, uh, I don't know, like I said, is that, and here they are working on grips and sitting up at the top of the, you know, with leaning over the rail at the dugout, it's impressive, and then Buck mentioned again how the Blue Jays hitters always are in the dugout after each at bat sharing information so I mean this is why these teams are successful this is why these players are successful when you behave like that I didn't like on a side note I didn't like late in the game T. Oscar and Lord Scurry out laughing it up I didn't like it at all and I got love for Big Daddy Kane and oh my lord it's a Gurriel 
but we're down three nothing. I believe this was the top of the ninth. If, if the top of the eighth, top of the ninth, somewhere in there, it could have been the bottom of the inning for all I know. I can't remember now. I'll check my notes. But I wasn't a fan. Not a good look. Those are my boys, but it's not a good look. You're laughing it up, and I mean they're they're having a good old laugh, and and life is good, and you're in Yankee Stadium, and you're losing three nothing. We have no runs. Lourdes, yes, you got hit early, but you're not doing any damage for us in any way, shape, or form. And you made a crucial error in the outfield that led to one of those three runs. And you're laughing it up? Not cool. Not a good look at all. You don't see Vladdy doing that. We went to going to the bottom of the fifth. Oh, when this is what I wanted to say. H to the Rizzo. When he laid down the bunt to beat the shift with two strikes. I'm sure there were people out there that were applauding that. And, uh, of course, everyone was pissing and balling last year when Charlie would put the bunt on with two strikes all the time. And like I said, I got love for Buck Martinez. Buck is my man. But Buck said he liked to play. Now, I don't know if Buck was one of the people complaining about Charlie calling the two-strike bunts. I believe he was, though. But Buck is also a fan of taking your shot when the shift is on. So it's kind of a six of one, half a dozen of the other. But just an interesting point that H to the Rizzo put down the bunt with the shift on and with the two strikes. Six-man rotation. They mentioned that uh, Stripling was going to be pitching tomorrow night, and we're going to a six-man rotation for the foreseeable future, which I like. I do like that. And Ryu's the next starter, and it pushes him back, pushes everybody back, obviously. But Ryu, you know, it's common knowledge. They've said it many times that he performed better on an extra day's rest. So they squeezed him in. They went to the six-man rotation, I believe, ahead of Ryu because of that specifically. And uh, but it's a big night. It's a big night for it's going to be dicey. You know, it's a big night for Ross Stripling to be pitching tomorrow, Jackie Robinson Day, Friday night at home after coming off of a loss, and it's a big spot to be in. It is a big spot, so we'll see. Uh, We'll see what uh, what he comes with, but I mean, here's here's a guy. I'm just trying to think about his last when we saw him the other day. What did he look like? How did he perform? I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. But the point is, is that it's a big moment for him to have to be pitching in, starting off as a starter and getting put back in the mix. Mix. We'll see. I'm undecided on uh, on how I feel about that he's going to perform, but uh, we shall see. It's going to be interesting. It's not going to be easy. Flatty strikes out again. They talk about the gauze. He was bandaging, bandaging, bandaging them up. He had he was striking them out. He had seven strikeouts by the bottom of the fifth, and. Hold on a second here. I just want to make sure that we didn't lose this. No. He had... Uh, he had five strikeouts by the bottom of the fifth. And I think he only had... 50, yeah, 56 pitches. 
I mean, he was playing well. Low splitters, dying down from the middle. But uh, then, so we had the bottom of the lineup. So let's talk about the bottom of the lineup for the New York Yankees. We had Connor Falefa. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I don't, I'm, I'm getting tired now. Connor Falefa. And uh, it went past ball, bounces off of his backhand. So with that play there, if Chapman was in, would Chapman have had that? I don't know. Because it looked like Santiago could have been close enough to take that. I believe Chapman would have. But Bo has been, I've praised Bo for his backhand defense after being criticized so heavily last year. I said that was on his mind, and Bo knows. But anyway, he messed that up, and that created a situation where uh, Connor Falefa got on. Gosman had two eights, two outs. That would have been the third out. Then the next hitter, Trevino, fights it off, bloops into center field, runner scores. Yeah, Connor Falefa. Two runs scored, and Trevino, two RBIs. So, uh, it was disappointing for Gosman because he had played so well. Were we missing Chapman because defensively because of that? There's a case to be made. I mean, the big some of the, the big highlights tonight. So, just to go through the highlights of the mistakes that were made by us. One, Santiago had a play where he went toward the third baseline rather than toward the foul line rather than coming back into second base. That was a hit. Bo had this play here where he missed the backhand, but Santiago, again, could he have laid out or should he have covered that space or would Chapman have covered that? That led to a run. Not being able to handle the bottom of the lineup, Connor Connor Falefa, Connor Falefa and Trevino. But I don't really blame Gosman on that because it was a series of other things that happened. You know, these guys are getting bloop singles. These guys, like, I mean, come on. And then Chapman, of course, with the base running error to end the game and getting doubled off. Bo Bichette not coming up with big hits. Uh, George Springer not coming up with big hits, bases loaded. Bo Bichette not coming up with big hits, bases loaded. These are the things that went on tonight. Chubb Rock had a bit, a bit of a game tonight. He had... Going back to where his stat line was, what did he end up with? He ended up with two hits, and he was hustling. He has chubby body moving down the first baseline, which I like to see. Top of the seventh, Castro came in. We had uh, we are 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. We stranded seven runners. So... Springer had a good series so far. He was 6 for 17, they were saying at that point. But he didn't get the hits that we wanted. And then Bo again. Nothing. That was the top of the seventh. I mean, these guys did not perform. We'll talk about Vladdy striking out four times. But Springer and Bo, their lack of performance today was the difference. Not Vladdy. Vladdy did his part last night. And on top of that, Vladdy didn't have these mishaps in the situations that Springer and Bo Bichette had their mishaps. They were the real issue today. If I was to pin this on anyone, I would pin it on in order. In order, I would pin this loss on Springer, Bo Bichette, Santiago Espinal, 
Mark Chapman. In order. That's who I would blame this loss on. We're going to shut it down in a second. Moving right along. Floyd Money Mayweather comes in in the bottom of the eighth. This is where I like him. Earlier on in the series, was it this series or last series, he came in earlier on in the game. I want him late. So I want him late in high leverage situations because, knock on wood, you know, if Romano goes down, everybody loves Romano, then we want Money Mayweather to be used to pitching in high leverage situations late in games. So that's the eighth. So to me, that's your eighth inning guy. And then Jaime Garcia, eighth inning guy. Floyd Money Mayweather, eighth inning guy. And then Jordan Romano was your closer. But then that way you have three people in the mix in case Romano goes down. We're going to need someone else. We're going to need more arms in the bullpen, and we're going to we're going to need another closer. But that's where I like to see him. Now, Judge Judy got the leadoff double. Rizzo grounded out. Judge the third. No, this is when, sorry, I said earlier, but this is when uh, Stanton grounded out to Bo and Judge was going on contact and scored. Nothing Bo could do there. There was no play at home. So unlucky, unlucky for Money Mayweather, but that's where I want to see him. 100%, that's where I want to see him. And then the ninth, we've already talked about this. Araldis Chapman was... And the guy had his bets down for his buddy, 100%. Not throwing any heat. I'm not going through it again. I went through the whole thing to lead off the show. Who walked that walk tonight for us? The gauze. The gauze walked that walk. Bandaging. He had his stat line tonight. Let's have a quick look at his stat line. Six hits. He pitched five and two-thirds. Sick gave up six hits. Two runs, two earned runs, nine strikeouts. He did his part. And like I said, the scenarios where they scored, so the you know, there were it wasn't his fault per se. So the guys walked that walk for me tonight. And as far as the three things I wanted to see. Number one was Gosman, and he ended up walking that walk. So I saw that. The second thing was I wanted to see Lourdes really excel in that cleanup spot just to make sure that he reminded everyone who he is. He only got one hit, but he did get hit in the arm. So that plays into it a little bit. And did that have any effect on him not diving for that ball and being a decoy instead? Was his arm hurting him? Did he want to lay out? Was he sore? I don't know. But that was an issue. So I didn't really see what I wanted from Lourdes tonight. And the third thing was Espinal versus Biggio. Defensively, Biggio won that battle because Santiago struggled at third and Biggio played well at second. But neither one of them got a hit. So Santiago as well, when this, you know, he didn't have a great night all around, really. Tomorrow, game eight of 162. We're back in Toronto playing Oakland. How many games in this series? So tomorrow we're four. So right now, sorry, we're game eight. So right now we're four and three, right? And then we're going to 
play Oakland tomorrow on Jackie Robinson Day. Get there early. First 15,000 fans get the Jackie Robinson shirt, T-shirt. Big night. Important night for the world. Important night for the sports world. Important night for baseball. Important night for Blue Jays, as every night is. And this is Talk That Talk. Provided by Off The Hook, the platform for the people. Phone lines are always open. Step into the studio. Talk that talk. Always remember, keep on talking in the free world. Talk that talk. Talking about, that's what I'm talking about. Are you talking to me? Talk that talk. Provided by Off the Hook. The platform for the people. Step into the studio and talk that talk. Get off the sidelines, man.